0: Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect.
1: Father in heaven, we thank you for your word to us spoken.
0: Hmm.
1: We pray, Lord, that it would find fertile soil in our hearts and our minds, that you'd continue to bring us transformation by the power of your Holy Spirit, and that we'd be worthy of the country and the inheritance that we are receiving, that we look for, and that we eagerly expect We pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, hello, hello. It's been a while. I'm excited to be back. I feel duly refreshed, but a little bit loopy. So, because let me tell you why. I didn't have a chance to stand or sit and talk for 18 to 22 minutes to people without them interrupting me. This whole time that I've been gone. So I'm very excited to be able to stand up with a captive audience... I mean, I talk to other drivers on the road, but it's you know they're not really responding to me. And um, but but seriously, it's really good to be back. Um, It's really wonderful to say together the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just to utter those words and say them with you uh, is is a wonderful thing. Tonight, our Lord Jesus is teaching us a lesson, and it's very simple. But it's beautiful how the lectionary has brought together other lessons to support what Jesus is teaching. He is telling us a few things and it's very simple. Be ready. Not only be ready, but stay ready. I'm like, ready for what, Jay? Well, I'll get to that in a second. Be ready, stay ready and wait. Hurry up and wait. Summertime is a time of vacations, a time of going and doing things that you maybe you've never done before, maybe playing some mini golf, maybe going to a theme park or something like that. And usually, when there are lots of lines, you're doing a lot of what? Waiting. And I get anxious when I'm in lines. Can you tell that I would do that? I get a little antsy. I get a little nervous, especially when we're driving somewhere and I know that there's going to be a line. So I get very tense and very anxious, and I can't just enjoy what's in front of me. We drove to Colorado a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't realize that, I think it's Highway 64, between Clayton, New Mexico, and Raton is now four-lane. When did that happen? It's been 11 years since I've been up there. So all this time I have all this anxiety built up, getting ready for the two-lane death trap that is that road between Clayton and Raton, when all of a sudden we get there, and in it's four lane. I thought, okay, I bet when it turns the corner, it's gonna shut down. Some anxiety is still bubbling. It's still there. It's feeding the energy while everyone else is happy watching DVDs or listening to podcasts. So here I am waiting around every corner for it to shut from four lanes on a two, but it never did. And it was beautiful. Jesus says, Be ready, stay ready, and wait. Now notice the two different sort of topics that we have. Now we have these two pericopes or passages and we jump in the middle of one when it it says fear not. So I'm gonna skip ahead to verse 35. So remember he says fear not, but we'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 35, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. This sounds like Advent, doesn't it? If you're familiar with the church seasons, Advent's when that time we anticipate Christmas, but we're also really anticipating the second coming. And so it's like this twofer. It's kind of strange, but we're anticipating. And Jesus is speaking truly and surely about his second coming, about his glorious appearing. The Greek word we use for that is parousia. So he's talking about his coming again. And he says... Stay dressed for action. Now think about what does that remind you of? If you're a Jew, if you're a Hebrew, and you've got this long national history, this long story of a people, and you have a patriarch, Abraham, when is a moment when God has told you, be ready, stay dressed? And the the word there is literally with your belt already fastened or your loins girded, but it's reminiscent of the exodus of that night when the Hebrews would eat the meal in haste exodus 12 verse 11 they would eat the meal in haste and they would do it with their belt around them their staff in their hand because they had to be ready at any moment for what the deliverance of the Lord God that final plague that would free them from this great nation This great king who had enslaved them, but that king was no match for Almighty God and God's divine plan and calling for the people of Israel. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And he goes on to use different parables to talk about the virtue of being ready. Be watchful, don't slumber. Now, I mentioned that first because now I want to paint fear not, little flock, in the context of being ready. If we haven't had a picture of Israel yet, now we do. The flock is Israel in the Holy Scripture. Fear not, little flock. Fear not, little Israel, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Think about all the times that Jesus speaks of the kingdom. And when he's speaking of the kingdom, at least in this point, it may be in some of the little flock's mind that this kingdom is a new kingdom to displace evil Rome. Rome has been here. They're just inheritors of the the despots before them. We need to get Rome out. We need to clear the land because God, obviously, Genesis 12 and 15, promised Abraham a seed, a land, and gave him a promise. Get Rome out of here. And so Jesus says, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But the kingdom that Jesus is talking about is not this kingdom filled with political overtones. It is a kingdom that he will inaugurate with his bloody, and at that time, very shameful death. What a a, a complete shame that Jesus would call himself God. This is in the mind of a Jew in the first century. That A would call himself God and that God would die. That's impossible and die on a cross. There's a curse for that. For it is written, Paul writes, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Quoting from the Old Testament. So Jesus is going to bring a kingdom that is not within their level of expectation. So it's a different kind of kingdom. I love what N.T. Wright calls the kingdom of God. He says it's simply that, that realm of God's rule and reign where what he says goes. It's an immaterial realm. It's all around us. It's within us. But it's not marked by borders. It's not marked by any sort of power structure that we as humans can create. But the kingdom of God supersedes all of that. And notice how Jesus says the father feels about this kingdom coming to his little flock. It's his good pleasure. There's a delight in it that the father has in giving the kingdom to this little flock. So we're to be ready for this kingdom. We're to stay dressed to keep our lamps burning. We're to be like the good servants who waited for the master. We're to be like the one who owns the house, who's ready for the burglar to come at night. But not only does Jesus say that, go back up to verse 33. He says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Now, just a few verses before this, Jesus has been speaking to these many people that have gathered around him, and he said don't worry about what you're going to eat. You see the ravens? I don't know why he chooses ravens. It's very interesting. But he says, you see the ravens? Even they eat. They don't have to sow. They don't have to store up in barns. But they're eating the lilies of the field. They're clothed. You don't need to worry about your clothes. Now, on that day, a normal person probably had the, the clothes they were wearing and maybe another set of clothes. And when they prayed, give us this day our daily bread, it was very, quite literal because if something you know, unforeseen should happen, the breadwinner of the family should die or, or be injured, what happens then? So Jesus is speaking into their a true fear and anxiety, a true occurrence that could happen in their culture that they may not have clothes one day, and they may not be able to eat. And so it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that, or is it? So when Jesus says, sell your possessions, he's not, he's not commanding all of them because we know they didn't. We, we read what Luke in his second volume, the book of Acts, that some sold their possessions and gave, but not everybody sold everything and they wouldn't have had anything. But Jesus is drawing our attention. He's, he's creating a, a comparison. Here's this kingdom. Okay. It's the father's possession that Jesus is bringing and inaugurating and it's the Father's delight. It's the Father's overwhelming joy to give this kingdom to his flock. And then he calls out our possessions. And what that says to me is, our possessions are good. They are gifts. Everything that we have is from God, period. We need to remember that. Every breath we take, everything that we have is from God. But in light of the kingdom that has already come and yet is still coming, do you see see how we're still straddling that line? The kingdom has come in Christ. The Holy Spirit now is with us. The church is growing, and and, and God's glory will one day cover the earth as the waters cover the seas, but not yet yet. And so we're already in this receiving of the kingdom, but not yet. And so that's why we have to be ready. That's why we have to stay ready. And that's why we have to wait. But our possessions can, or our thoughts about our possessions, because earlier, it's not listed here, but he talks about being anxious. Verse 34. He's trying to give them a right perspective, a right way to think about possessions and things. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Hmm. Be ready. Stay ready. Know that your fear and your anxiety may get in the way. Now think about fear for a moment. We know at one level, at a physiological level, we actually need fear, don't we? If I see a bear in the woods, I actually don't know what to do when I see a bear in the woods. (laughs) Because is it a brown bear? Is it a black bear? Is it a grizzly bear? And then you've got Dwight Schrute, and he said all the confusing things that I don't understand. And we did not see a bear, unfortunately, but we wanted to. But if I see danger, my body, because of the way God made it, is going to kick in to fight or flight. Fear is good. Now, if we stay at that level of fear all the time, it's going to do some messed up things to our body. I was reading in one account, when our, when our sort of fight or flight uh, system kicks in, it, our guess i don't know i'm saying this wrong so you all look it up later but it our basically our gastrointestinal system gets bypassed so that energy and blood can go to our extremities so we can get the heck out of there or get really tall and scream whichever thing we're supposed to do so in the moment that is a gift from god but we cannot sustain that level can we If you're like me, maybe you've been anxious before. Maybe you've struggled with anxiety before. And you realize, oh wait, is that why I get these weird stomach pains? (laughs) So Jesus is calling us into a posture of readiness and waiting for him. That is for our own good. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom we think about what's an example of someone who's done this a few months ago we pre i preached on abraham in genesis 15 and i love abraham because in this passage of genesis 15 he believes the lord and god counted it to him as righteousness period And then in the next, it's not in our bulletin today, but in verse 7, God says, hey, not only am I going to give you, you know, these uh, people, the seed, I'm also going to give you this land. And right after Abraham gets set up as the pillar of faith, believe God, counted righteousness, win, win, win. Abraham says, but how am I to know that I'm going to have the land? Oh, and I love that. Friends, because... In our readiness, in our waiting, we are gonna be like that. We are gonna trust God completely for our food and clothes. And then we're gonna say, but really, what? Wait, what? Abraham is a, is a wonderful picture. Abraham and Sarah, is, they're a wonderful picture of hearing from God, hearing his promise, believing in God, not only leaving Ur of the Chaldees, but going up to Haran up in present-day Syria, then down to where they ended up in the, in the middle of Israel. Not only that, but believing in him. Did they mess up along the way? Just about every step. But God led them. God made the covenant when Abraham said, how am I to know? God said, I'll show you. And God came as a smoking torch, and a fire pot passing between the cut parts of the covenant. Abraham and Sarah could have been hindered in their readiness and in their waiting. Look at Hebrews 11.15. It's on page five of your bulletin. If, the author of Hebrews says, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return if they had been thinking about where they came from. Now I want you to think about your personal story, your personal narrative, where you've come from. You've you've heard the call of God to follow Jesus Christ. You've received his life and salvation, okay? You've, You've come from somewhere. Maybe you grew up in a home where God was always... Believed in and loved, and, and and that is a tremendous blessing. Or maybe your story is not like that, and you came from somewhere way different than where you are now. Nevertheless, we have all come from somewhere. And Abraham and Sarah did a little bit of what Jesus tells these disciples. They put their heart in God's promises, and so where was their treasure? Where was their expectation? Where was their hope in their waiting? In God. In his unfailing love, as the psalm says. Even as we have put our hope and our trust in your unfailing love. So Abraham and Sarah, not wavering, putting their treasure... In God and his promises, taking him at his word, follow him. They don't look back from where they've been because it would be very simple, wouldn't it? Think of the Israelites leaving Egypt. They actually said that exact thing. It's better for us to go back and be slaves in Egypt than to die out here, Moses. Hmm. Have you ever been in a place in your life or maybe are you at a place in your life right now where you think, God, it's better if I just go back and be in servitude than if I go wherever you're leading me right now, because this certainly doesn't make sense. Fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Guys, we are a pilgrim people. We are always going to be strangers and aliens no matter what culture, no matter what country, no matter where we live. And that's a good thing. Because we're sons and daughters of Abraham. We're followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are heirs of the kingdom. But Abraham and Sarah, verse 16, desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Hmm. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Hmm. For he has prepared for them a city. Think about that being said about you. By faith, curtly. John. Kelly. Paul. Stephanie. By faith they followed me, says the Lord. And I am not ashamed to be called their God. All of this comes into being ready. Being attentive. Waiting, watching, hoping. And the psalm, as the psalm so often does, adds pathos and poetry to the truth of what has been taught in the gospel and in this epistle. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon those who fear him, on those who wait upon his love. It may not feel like it, may not seem like it, but the eye of the Lord is upon you. To pluck their lives from death and to feed them in the time of famine, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Indeed, our heart rejoices in him, for in his holy name we put our trust. And just a favorite verse of mine, Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, even as we have put our trust in you. Our lives are meant to be lived in this journey. In this long, arduous, pilgrim way, following our Lord Jesus. I think about the spiritual discipline of of silence or solitude. And I think about how for me, that's how I can wait upon the Lord in the moment. I can shut down the factory that is my brain, the thoughts, the soundtrack playing in the background, put that quiet and wait upon the Lord. But think about that for the length of your life. Now, you can't sit in silence all day, every day for the rest of your life. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is to be ready, to stay ready, and to wait is to live in that posture in that place of always being ready for a moment of encounter, of always taking the next step that the Lord has asked you to take so that you can take the next step, knowing that his eye is upon those who wait for him, who trust in his unfailing love. God is inviting us. He's begging us to trust in him and not just the things that we see not just our possessions a horse is a vain strength well a horse back then a horse was a pretty damn good thing to go to war with we need God what is inhibiting or helping what is inhibiting or helping your readiness Hmm. is it anxiety the thing that Jesus mentions by name? Is it, is it sort of a prolonged fear? Is it possessions? Has moth destroyed like those dang moths ate my jacket one winter? Ate the holes right out of them? <laughs> is it the things that sin and, and creation and just the vicissitudes of this world can take from you and me? Is that inhibiting or helping your readiness? That's one thing. Maybe you write this down. And the second question is this. What are you putting your hope and trust in? Again, there's so many things that we love that are good, that are gifts given to us. And we're, we're not blowing those up. But what we're saying is that the same thing that Jesus says, when we put them in perspective, we see the giver. What, is, what are you putting your hope and trust in? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your patience with us, for us, poured out on us. Help us to be ready Help us to be like Abraham and Sarah. We know they messed up, and we know that we are going to mess up. We are broken, just as they are. But we pray you, Lord, to fill us with your spirit, to fill us with your truth in such a way that we could take a deep breath, look to the heavens, and put our whole trust in you. Let your loving kindness be upon us, O Lord, even as we have put our trust in you. Amen. Let's stand together as we affirm our faith and say the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please kneel for the prayers of the people. Father in heaven, we pray to you for your church all over the world. We pray especially for bishops, priests, deacons, pastors and teachers and leaders of every kind. Pray for persecuted Christians. Hmm. Lord, we pray that your church would be a humble and powerful witness of your love, of your transformation, and of your kindness. Pray especially for our Bishop Philip, for the Anglican Mission, for all the churches of East Dallas. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, we pray for our nation and nations and leaders all over the world. We pray that you would fill leaders with a sense of mercy, justice, rightness, and truth. Pray for our President Donald, our Governor Greg, and our Mayor Eric. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we thank you for this creation. That you've given it to us to steward. We pray that you would give us the ability to do it well. Hmm. Bless your earth, Lord. Hmm. Thank you for providing for us through it. Give us wisdom and care to watch over it. Lord, in your mercy, We pray, Lord, for those who are in any need of any kind, especially for the impoverished, the homeless, for those without air conditioning, for those with no access to clean water, for those in prison, for the widow, the orphan. Lord, we pray for our friends here at Central Lutheran Church and their pastor, Christina, that you bless them and their counsel. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, we pray for those who are in need of healing of any kind, whether it be mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual. Just offer those names to the Lord now. Mark. Marsha. Lord, in your mercy. and We pray, Lord, for those who have never said yes to you, Lord Jesus, who have not entered your kingdom and do not know to wait for it that through the revelation of your creation and your, your gospel preached, they would come to knowledge and surrender of you. We offer those names to you in the silence of our hearts. Hmm. We pray again, Lord, for victims and the aftermath of the shootings in El Paso and Dayton. Pray for wisdom for our leaders, and we pray, we, just, we beg you for peace. Lord, in your mercy. We offer you all these prayers, Lord, because you've taught us to. We are your priestly people. It is our privilege to stand in the gap and to intercede and cry out to you on behalf of the church and the world. And we do this with joy in our hearts. In your name, our Lord Jesus. Amen.